0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on today's episode to talk about the king of monsters himself, Godzilla, is Evan Sizemore. Evan was kind enough to take some time out to explain to me the history of the character, his love and passion for the franchise, what the fan base is like and so much more. It's an incredible conversation and I cannot wait to share it with all of you guys. Just a little heads up though before we get into it, I had some slight technical issues with the audio. For some reason I was coming through onto Evan's side and you don't need two doses of my voice during this podcast. That's more than I can ask of anyone. So I've done my best to fix it. However, there is a point in the middle of the podcast where I had to use a different feed for Evan's audio because it was just kind of unusable towards the end. But I have brought in Godzilla himself to give you a little heads up on when that happens, so stay tuned for that. But enough from me. Let's get to the conversation. This is Godzilla with Evan Sizemore. Hello, Evan, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So uh, for your chosen topic, as the audience would be aware from the intro, you've gone for the king of monsters himself, Godzilla or Gojira, depending on your uh, pronunciation. So I'd love to know, before we get into like, the history of him and everything there, how did your personal obsession start?
1: Right. So that that's a, that's a good question. Uh, like most kids, I grew up loving dinosaurs. I still do. I mean, that that's my main hobby is paleontology. But I remember distinctly when I was only maybe two or three years old playing with my dinosaur figures in my grandmother's living room. And she comes over to me and says, you know, if you like dinosaurs, you're going to love Godzilla. And I looked up to her and inquisitively asked, what's Godzilla? Fast forward to some point in the future. Uh, one of the old movies from the 70s was on the telly. Um, I got to catch like the last 5-10 minutes of it, and that's all it took. I was hooked. I'm like, yeah, a a (laughs) a building-sized, fire-breathing, radioactive dinosaur, take my money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's perfect. Um, And I suppose that that sort of era as well is, is kind of, from what I did, I did a little bit of research today. And that era is quite child-friendly, really, isn't it? There's a lot of colourful characters. and
1: Yeah, the, the, the late 60s and the 70s, it was very, very mm. kid-oriented, for sure, which made it great to introduce someone like me when
0: I was, like, you know, two, three years old. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I guess it just sort of continued from there, then, for yourself. So every time you, there's a different version, I'm guessing you're first in line to check it out.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, Godzilla's gone through tons of iterations. I like to say that... After almost 70 years and 36 movies, there's at least one Godzilla movie for everybody out there. And to be sure, I'm a diehard fan, but I don't like all of them. <laughs> you know, there are some that I genuinely don't care for, but that isn't going to stop me from watching the movies because it, it, they're so diverse in, um, in, in the styles, in the genres and subgenres that they contain. It's like, I, who knows what the next one's going to be? So, you know, I'm always willing yeah. to check it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um there's, there's so many different variations. Um you just got me thinking. I could really go back to the beginning then, so cuz the first one from my understanding is it's it's kind of like almost like a Moby Dick style story where it's like a metaphor for something bigger and it's done through an animal and in this case it was it was after Hiroshima, wasn't it? So for the Japanese it was a question of you know, they were they were shining a light on the horrors and the atrocities of war and it was very much the symbol for anti an anti-war movement which is quite heavy for a monster movie to carry on its shoulders
1: absolutely so not o- not even a decade after the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki um, the Japanese film studio toho was in the middle of a big production with uh, Indonesia, the, uh, the film fell through, and then the producer of that film suddenly needed to fill in that slot. That was going to be like the movie event of the year. And he's like, well, now I've got only months to you know replace it with something else. And so the producer, Tomiyuki Tanaka, um, came up with the idea of, well, why don't we um, jump on the bandwagon of this giant monster craze that has been going on recently? Because in Japan, the original 1933 King Kong and the 1953 film The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms had been released in Japan to great success. So he's like, well, why don't we do that? And that was the the nucleus of the idea for Gojira. Um, Eventually director Shiro Honda was brought on. He was a war veteran. He had actually passed through Nagasaki um, on his way back home after the war. And so he had firsthand experience of the tragedies of atomic warfare, and he was very much a pacifist. And he wanted to say, well, "Okay, fine, if we 're going to make a monster movie, let's not just make something for sheer entertainment. let's actually tell the story that we want to. let's you know get across the horrors of war, the horrors of nuclear weapons, and try and you know beseech the world through fantasy to you know take a much more civilized approach to global affairs And Japan had just recently come out of censorship with the United States they were the US was closely censoring the type of media that Japan was making you know you couldn't have any anti-american propaganda you couldn't have any you know pro um japanese empire propaganda etc so they're like well we can't obviously tell a movie um, about the bombings of of hiroshima and nagasaki and we can't tell a movie um about the recent radioactive trage- tragedy of the lucky dragon number no. 5 that occurred earlier that year in 1954 when America tested the um, hydrogen bomb at Bikini Atoll, and it radiated a Japanese fishing ship, and killed one of the crew, and the radioa- radioactive tuna gone to the market, and um, the food source was poisoned in Japan, so everybody was up in arms. Like, well, we can't obviously make a movie like that because you know it'll get blacklisted. So why don't we just turn it into the form of a monster, make the atomic bomb into a giant fire-breathing radioactive dinosaur, and and that. The rest is history as they say. So it ended up being a very satirical, uh very um dark, documentary esque film. Um almost an art house type film, which has now gone down in history as one of the greatest Japanese movies ever made.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's quite a pedigree for something that I think at first glance you can you can just sort of dismiss it as oh, it's a monster film. You know, it was made in the fifties with stop motion animation or and, and suits and stuff and you think, yeah, whatever. But yeah, there's that really deep, deep meaning behind it. And yeah, I think that's kind of what art is for anyway. It's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to invoke. So it's I think it's really fitting. And, and from my very, very brief glance at Japanese cinema, my understanding is that's something they do a lot with their movies, is there's usually a really sort of intense or kind of deeper meaning behind a lot of what they do. And they, they tell... Some of the greatest stories that end up just getting remade and <laughs> redone over and over. I also like that they snuck it under the Americans' nose a little bit. That's quite funny. And <laughs> you're going, "Hey, check out this great monster movie!" And it's like, "Yeah, that's, yeah, it's it's, it's not doing you any favors." <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: right. If you if you want to know, you know, what what would America think of that movie? Well, we have the answer because when that first film came to the states, uh, two years yeah. later in 1956, the Americans cut out 40 minutes of the movie. Uh, took out took out all the anti-war stuff, all the anti-American stuff, all the anti-nuclear stuff, and then inserted yeah. actor Raymond Burr in there and turned it into a run-of-the-mill 1950s you know giant monster on the loose movie. <laughs> so there's that's your amazing. answer to that.
0: <laughs> that's that's hilarious. It, that just would have looked so weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I I, I, I go ahead. I was going to say, have you seen seen the movies? I'm assuming. Have you got an, like the original version or?
1: Oh yeah. No, no, no. I mean they're they're actually all right behind me here. Um I've I've I got so. I've <laughs> got all 35 films, um 36 to come oh. out later this year. Uh yep. and yeah, I've got the American versions and the the Japanese versions and surprise surprise, 9 out of 10 times the Japanese version is the the preferred better version. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it probably makes more sense as well, I'd imagine, in terms of narrative.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It helps when you're not cutting out 40 minutes of story just to insert you know, a white face to make it more palatable to
0: Westerners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, because when you, when you look at the history of it, even just briefly, it seems like from there, there's quite a big shift. So my understanding is after that, there are other kaiju movies, as, as what they're known, aren't they? Like these, Yeah. That's the, that's the word for big monsters movies in, in Japan. And so there was, I think, Mothram and is it Rodan and then a few others got their own sort of staple films. And then he comes back to fight Kong. Is that right? Is that the next one?
1: Yeah, right. Uh, you, you're, you're pretty good on your history there.
0: Uh, I'm going to let you in a little secret. I literally went on YouTube like an hour before <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, I'm loosely aware of this. I'm just going to get a rough timeline. So I'm definitely going to trail off. (laughs) No worries. I'm happy to fill in the gaps.
1: Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Even though Godzilla was a smash hit when it first came out and they did rush in a sequel right away. Like five months later, they came out with a half-baked sequel, Godzilla Raids Again. And, um, you know, it was fine, but it wasn't obvious that Godzilla was franchise material. You know, franchises really weren't even a thing, you know, 70 years ago. And so Toho Studios experimented with other giant monster movies. It wasn't like, oh, Godzilla was successful. Let's make more. No, it was, oh, giant monster movies are successful. Let's make more of those. So, yeah, Mothra, Varan, the Mysterians, Rodan, etc., And then, like, seven... Uh, Years after the original Godzilla movie came out, it was Toho's 30th anniversary. They're like, hey, we want to make a big summer popcorn action movie to celebrate 30 years. We know Godzilla was big. Let's bring him back. Who are we going to pit him against? So it just so happens that um, Hollywood producer John Beck was actually shopping around an idea from King Kong creator Willis O'Brien to bring King Kong back. And the idea was to have King Kong fight a variant of Frankenstein's monster. And eventually he brought it to Toho, and Toho said, we love this idea, but um, dump Frankenstein, we'll put in King Kong, we'll split the cost 50-50, we get Japanese distribution, you get U.S. distribution, and poof, King Kong versus Godzilla was born, and it has become the single most profitable Godzilla movie to date, you know. Uh, Oh, 60 years later, and it's still the highest grossing um, Godzilla movie ever and still on the list of the top grossing Japanese movies of all time ever made.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's
1: incredible. But the tonal shift was huge, though. Like the first two Godzilla movies, black and white, nitty gritty, dark and brooding and depressing, especially the first one, seven years later. Godzilla and King Kong for the first time in widescreen, you know, panoramas, um, uh, Technicolor, and there, and it's played for laughs. Like King Kong versus Godzilla is seriously satirical. It's extremely self-aware, extremely meta. It knows it's goofy. It plays it up as just a wrestling match between two guys in rubber suits, and it really, really plays into the humor. And it's a an hilarious, family-friendly rump. and 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 it was huge and that definitely was a tonal shift for the godzilla series
0: i'm so glad that's the case because i was was looking through a timeline earlier and they obviously highlight clips and the clip from that film was just so funny it was just (laughs) literally two guys in rubber suit there's a bit where he's the guy dressed as king kong he's got like a tree and he's just trying to shove it down the throat of godzilla and i swear i had to stopped the videos i was in tears it was so funny it is absolutely, i I,
1: yeah. I swear if if king khan does not shove a tree down godzilla's yeah. throat in the remake <laughs> that is a seriously lost opportunity
0: i know yeah it's set the bar quite high now Actually, for this film, <laughs> that, that's just the artisan cinema right there <laughs> yeah yeah i just I, I love that it's self-aware as well um that, that's the impression i get from like the film's well that film and then the films that follow afterwards because you're right they go from this strange sort of dark black and white super depressing kind of story to this bright colorful guys running around in rubber suits just throwing bits of set at each other and <laughs> am i right in thinking that's the trend that basically continued for like the next decade or so
1: right right so uh just a, re- a brief recap then of that first series so uh early 60s godzilla comes back uh, with king Kong, and it's and it's a comedy a couple of years later, in '64, we get two Godzilla movies. Godzilla is still an antagonist. He does; he still does not get top billing in his own films, um, right. and he's pitted against other popular monsters who are, you know, the good guys. So Godzilla is the bad guy in like the first five films, and then yeah. in the fifth film, it ends with him being convinced to team up with a couple of other monsters, Mothra and Rodan, to fight a threat that's greater than all of them: the space dragon King Ghidorah. And from that movie onward, now he is, you know, Earth's protector, and he's the good guy, and he's the one that people are cheering to win because there's always something worse than him out there, and and it it, the '60s as a whole have uh, uh, um, a range of uh, of tonal shifts, but by the end of the '60s, it is absolutely children's fair, and by the 1970s, he's just full blown superhero
0: yeah it's quite famous clips of like the 70s era where he flies around like on his tail and doing like spin kicks and all this stuff that you just look at it and you're like wow i mean that's that's something on like, behalf of be the japanese printing. people i publicly apologize for that <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the weird things i'm watching it and i'm like they must have done this tongue-in-cheek half the time yes because yeah and from what you're telling me it sounds like as a property they weren't really taking him too seriously which is very odd considering the incredibly serious you know origins of the character
1: right and i think though even though sure i i am with the majority who say yeah the the children's fair of the late 60s and 70s is you know among the weaker of the godzilla series i think that is honestly uh the key to godzilla's longevity is his plasticity okay. See, the like, let's look at King Kong, for example. Yeah, King Kong has endured the better part of a century, and we've had several King Kong movies in that time. But just about every single King Kong movie is the exact same story. There's a prehistoric island with a giant ape on it. People go there, bring him back to a city, get shot off a building, dies. Um, Frankenstein has endured for, you know, the better part of two centuries, and there have been several movies about it, but it's essentially the same storyline. A crazy scientist digs up bodies, uh, sews them back together, shoots lightning in it, comes to life, and it's a, you know a nice story about hubris. And the monster usually doesn't have a nice ending either. With Godzilla, though, he started out as a symbol. He started out as a representation of something else. I mean, even the texture of his skin was meant to reflect the keloid scars of the radiation burns from the victims of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. The fact that he breathes fire or um, a blue atomic breath is supposed to be a uh, visual representation of the deadly threat of radiation and was given the color blue because of the checkoff radiation that you find in nuclear reactors. Um, So everything about Godzilla from head to foot was originally symbolic which means he's an idea. He's not just a personality or character, he's an idea and that idea can be tailored to anything you need. Do you need a nuclear allegory? Godzilla's got you covered. Do you need an environmental um, allegory? Godzilla's got you covered. Do you need a child-friendly superhero? Godzilla's got you covered. Do you need a brainless action hero blockbuster? Godzilla's got you covered. Um, He has literally uh, morphed every single era and even within eras multiple times to become anything and everything the pop culture or the current sociopolitical environment has required of him, and he fits it. Whether or not you like what he became is a whole other matter. Whether or not it worked really well is a whole other matter. But he can do it, and I think that's why he endures the better part of seventy years now, and you know, thirty-six movies and become the longest-running film franchi- franchise in history.
0: That's incredible. I'd, I'd never considered that before, actually. But you're right. Yeah, it's the fact that he's tran- he sort of almost transcended multiple genres over the decades. Is you're probably right. It's probably a, a fair reason as to why he's done so well over the years and in japanese pop culture it's like a staple you know it's something that they hold really well and from my understanding they're not too keen on some of the american remakes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you just have to go there don't you i do and i'll tell you for why it's more of a positive thing because i was going through it earlier and one of my sort of favorite childhood movies um was the 1998 American remake of Godzilla.
1: Well, so this has been a lovely a podcast. Time. I've got to go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, when I say favourite childhood movies, I mean it in the way that, you you know when you think back on a film and you go, I like this movie as a kid, and then you don't watch it for 10 plus years, and then you get into your adulthood and you go, oh yeah, I remember this film. You stick it on, you get five minutes in, and you go, huh oh uh, wow okay what what did i see in this again <laughs> so like looking back on it i i will absolutely side with apparently all godzilla fans when i say that yeah it's not a good film and he's a complete departure from you know the the, the many different looks in fact i, I was going to link in this podcast a video i watched earlier which is fantastic from his channel called uh tele-animated and they do like these animated timelines and they do one on godzilla which is it's really fun to watch but it, it really highlights the the visual change <laughs> in that version, and not just the
1: visual being... change. it's it, like even the personality oh, yeah. change. He doesn't even behave oh, like yeah. Godzilla.
0: Yeah, I, I can see there's a lot of reasons why people don't like it. Um, but I, I just remember watching that, and that for me got me interested in the character uh, of Godzilla. But um, yeah, my yeah my understanding is, uh, I would say sort of more hardcore fans of godzilla or more original fans like yourself and the general community around it is is they'd rather forget about that am i right
1: right right so (laughs) so uh let me share with you just briefly my personal uh vendetta with this movie yeah please do yeah and and then (laughs) and then i'll share with you japan's vendetta with this movie i i you know yes it is probably my least favorite godzilla movie of all for the sheer fact that it is simply not godzilla in for all intents and purposes it's often been given in the fandom the the acronomic nickname gino j-i-n-o godzilla in name only that said Mites. i've got the blu-ray right behind me because i'm a completist <laughs> um but i ha, imagine me now okay here i am by the time that movie came out with well, it 1998 so i was like I don't know, uh, 12 or, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that. Lifelong Godzilla fan, having at that Mm -hmm. time seen practically every single movie that was available in the States, walk into my local Walmart and then find the uh, the the toy section littered with action figures for the new American Godzilla movie. And I'm looking at that being like, oh, is Varan in this movie? I, this looks so right. weird. Like, what is this, the monster that he fights? Like, what is this thing? And then I look and I look, mm-hmm. and the closer I examine, the more my heart sinks. I'm like, oh, my God, this is Godzilla? It looks nothing <laughs> like Godzilla. Then I go and watch the movie, and I'm trying to be optimistic. And what happens? Yeah. It doesn't sound like Godzilla. He, he's, a, he's a coward that runs away from battles. He doesn't fight. He never mm-hmm. actually causes any collateral damage in the city. Most of the city destruction right. is by the military. Um, yep. He burrows underground, okay? He doesn't have his classic atomic breath. He just belches flammable you know, uh, burps. And then at the end of the movie, he gets killed by a half dozen missiles from fighter jets. Godzilla yeah. is supposed to be nigh indestructible, and you've just <laughs> shot him to death like an iguana. It's like, it, it, if this had not been called Godzilla, I never would have even thought Godzilla when I saw this movie. I would have just thought Beast from 20,000 Fathoms Remake. It was yeah. such an abomination. Um, and so what does Japan do about it? Well, Japan had originally right. given TriStar uh, a three-movie deal saying you can make a trilogy of movies. Not even a year after that movie comes out, just several months later, they released their own Japanese Godzilla again. They had already retired him in 1995, and they're like, nope, we need to clean everybody's palette we need to bring back the real Godzilla and that's what started the third era of Godzilla films the Millennium series in 1999 with Godzilla 2000 Millennium and if that wasn't uh, enough of a slap in the face the monster that Godzilla fights in 2000 called Orga which is a space alien the face especially the jawline of that monster was uh, modeled after the American Godzilla then fast-forward a couple of years to a film called Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, or GMK for short. And God knows that movie needs A for short. And in that movie, (laughs) at the very beginning, uh, they say, oh, some giant monster attacked uh, America in the end of the 20th century. And one person says to another, wasn't that Godzilla? And someone else says, the Americans say so, but the the professors here have doubts. (laughs) And then... (laughs) And then a few years later, in the last film of the Millennium Series, Godzilla Final Wars, they actually bring in the American Godzilla as a monster separate from Godzilla himself. They call him Zilla. To quote um, producer Shogo Tomiyama, uh, it's because they took the god out of Godzilla in that American version. And then they have Godzilla fight Zilla in in, uh, Sydney, Australia. And the battle lasts, I swear to you, not more than seven seconds. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, 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 they roar at each other. Zilla runs up to Godzilla, leaps in the air. Godzilla turns around, slaps him with his tail into the opera house, and blasts him with his breath. End of story. <laughs> and that is the history Here. of Japan with the American Godzilla, and, and I applaud them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's incredible.
0: I've, I've, I saw that clip actually earlier today in in my research, and I did laugh out loud when I saw it. I was like, "That's brilliant! <laughs> they, they literally they literally killed it with fire." Yes, <laughs> yes. And and even
1: though Japanese special effects movies, especially you know for the first part of the '90s and 2000s, were not renowned for great CGI effects, they purposely made Zilla CGI bad to reflect the bad CGI from the '98 movie.
0: That's the funny thing as well, like because I was looking. Uh, back at the roof of this video, and it was showing clips from the '98 Zilla version, and yeah, that was the first thing that stood out to me. I was like, "Oh, that's really bad CGI. Yeah. Like that. That's really strange." But I think because I I was in d- my defence for anyone listening, I was six, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was really into Jurassic Park, so I was like, you know, similar mindset to yourself. I was like, "Oh, cool, bigger dinosaur." Um, but yeah, you're right. Going back over it, it's like. Okay, yeah, I can I can see the issues people have with that one. Right. Well, I
1: mean, um, if you're if you're going into it just not thinking, oh, I want to watch a Godzilla movie. It's like I just want to wa- turn off my yeah. brain and watch a stupid American giant monster film. Sure, go ahead. It's it's a run of the mill giant monster film. It's like the '90s version yeah. of a '50s B movie.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like what you said it, about it being a a remake of the Beast from. Was it twenty thousand or fifty thousand fathom? fathoms? Twenty thousand know, fathoms, yeah. Twenty thousand, uh, yeah. That's one of my favourite trailers ever, by the way. If people just look that up, it's like three seconds, but it's just a guy going, "A beast, a beast, a beast of 20,000. and it's, it's just the way he says it with so much energy. I'm like, "Yes, this is great. <laughs> this is great." <laughs> it looks, it, it looks alright for the time. But anyway, um, yeah, I do a lot of tangents on this. So uh, <laughs> no, I enjoy it. Please continue. I'm not going I'm just anywhere. Think, I'm just trying to think where to go from there. So what you said earlier though about him transcending genres and, and sort of you're right it kind of goes as as far as you know where where pop culture moves and so yeah coming into the 2000s especially sort of 2010s up it does seem like there was a, a big shift for cinematic universes i mean like you know marvel was doing incredibly well and and so it seems like every film studio and his dog was tr- desperately trying to get their own you know uh started up and there's, there's that's a whole other podcast if we get into that, but it it does seem for the most part you know this one with Godzilla is it's slowly climbing its way up, and I mean I think it's interesting that they started with Godzilla and then they went to King Kong, you know, and then they did another Godzilla film with uh with all the sort of key monsters you know half the ones you've mentioned, so I'm curious what what's the general sort of reaction to that then uh within this sort of fandom of Godzilla?
1: Right, yeah. So uh I absolutely agree. Uh Hollywood is a bit cinematic, universe obsessed right now. Um mm-hmm. but I have to say this. Godzilla did it first. Yeah, if if absolutely. you go if you go back, you know, to the nineteen fifties and sixties, you had mm-hmm. all of these individual movies that were being released. You, you know, Godzilla started in his own film, Mothra started in her own film, Rodan started in his own film, uh Barragon in his, Manda in its, um, Veran and it's uh... et cetera et cetera et cetera and then by the um mid nineteen sixties toho started bringing all of these monsters and introducing them into the godzilla timeline so it was essentially the same thing that marvel did you got your iron man movie your hawk hulk movie your thor movie uh... your ant-man movie and then gradually you're introducing all these people into films like the avengers and godzilla had his own avengers and you know infinity war type movies Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, brought Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra into the same universe together. Destroy All Monsters added several other monsters to the fray from that. So by uh, extension, the the Godzilla timeline from the Showa series from 1954 to 1975 has 15 Godzilla movies in it. But if you want to get really um, elaborate, you could honestly add easily several more independent kaiju flicks that are by osmosis connected to this thing because the the starring kaiju's of those films were then later introduced to godzilla so godzilla essentially inadvertently and semi unintentionally pulled fifty sixty years ago what marvel um, you know really cashed in over the last ten years here but now of course america wasn't thinking about that they're like we want to we've got a license for godzilla we want to turn them into our own you know mcu and I think that it's really been a mixed bag. Yes, I love the fact that we're getting more Godzilla content. Yes, I love that he's getting popular again. Yes, I love that it's introducing uh, new fans to the series. Uh, and yes, I love being able to see my childhood favorite Japanese monsters get you know the big budget Hollywood treatment on IMAX in my local theater. But honestly, none of them have been really good movies at all. <laughs> <laughs> like not really good. Yeah. At, and I mean, they're they're fine. They're enjoyable. Mm-hmm. They're stupid, big movies. And and they're, uh, you know, light years better than that 1998 travesty. <laughs> um, But I still think that in the you know, with all the Japanese monster movies that we've gotten over the last 60 plus years, that they're only roughly mid tier, you know, even compared to some of the older Godzilla films. But that's just a personal opinion. You know, I know some people mm-hmm. who absolutely love them. You know, more power to them. That's like I said, there's a Godzilla movie for everybody out there. Uh but yeah, it's interesting. They start out with a Godzilla film. They went and then they it's, it, they jumped right to Godzilla's arch nemesis King Ghidorah, brought in Mothra, Rodan, had this big mm-hmm. pow-wow and now they're going to go with King to King Kong for the third installment. And I'm like I almost feel like you did that backwards. You should have saved Ghidorah for the big, you know, Infinity War endgame, you know, conclusion.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I mean, I, I kind of feel the same way, because um, I think the first film, I've seen a YouTube edit, which is the 15 minutes that Godzilla shows up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's actually eight. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, yeah, right, yeah, there you go, it's eight. And, it, and it's, it's a spectacular eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. Because... The the director Gareth Evans um, can do scale like no one else. Yes, I I absolutely agree with
1: that. Edwards Gareth Edwards, right? Uh, he has a yeah. phenomenal eye for scale. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gareth Edwards does great job with that, but it's a thread throughout all of his films. It's just my opinion that he's not very good at characters. You don't <laughs> say. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, all I'm saying is Rogue One, Monsters. You know, any of those films. Watch them. And try to care about any of the people that are in it, and I Um, don't. (laughs) The the, the, the character I enjoyed most in Rogue One was the android that died. (laughs) Exactly, but yeah, scale. I mean, that's what you need for Godzilla. So yeah, when he rocked up, that that for me got me quite excited. I was like, oh, I want to see more of this, but in a better film. And then the sequel comes out, and it's the same problem where the monster stuff is absolutely spectacular and incredible. But all of the people in the middle are just kind of like, could you, you just get out of the way? I just I just want to see Godzilla. I don't I, I don't I don't care about you. <laughs> okay. So here's something interesting
1: that I feel like the okay. um, Americans have not quite understood about what it takes to make a good go- um, uh, Godzilla movie.
0: I mean, okay. a- anybody
1: can make a monster movie. Uh, and America has made several great ones. I mean, look at the original King Kong or Cloverfield, etc. Um Yes. But what does it take to make a great Godzilla movie? Well, one thing you got to have Godzilla's personality. Okay, I think that as far as that's concerned, they did all right. I think that you know, Godzilla twenty fourteen, King of the Monsters. I think you're right, director. Right, you got the sense of Godzilla's personality well enough. I'll accept it as Godzilla. The other problem is though, not a whole lot of collateral damage, and mm. and, and the monster stuff is always treated as background noise to uninteresting characters. So yes, yeah. I mean, think about this. We watch uh, *King of the Monsters, right? And and they're like, oh, you didn't think we had enough uh, monster action in the first Godzilla movie? Well, now we're going to throw monsters at you every five minutes. And yet, Mm -hmm. it's unsatisfying. Why? Number one, Mm -hmm. the monster action literally lasts like maybe five seconds at a time. Uh, Number two, you know, all this hyper zoomed in camera angles and shaky cam and all these particle effects in the middle of a storm under the water in the middle of snow it, in nighttime covered in smoke i can't see anything um number three we are only ever seeing the end uh, devastation we never get to see the process of destruction like there's this epic armageddon-esque scene of Um, The storm of Ghidorah coming into Washington, D.C. The Capitol is absolutely flooded. Buildings are wrecked. The sky is, uh, you know, on fire. Rodan is flying out in the background. It looks like something from an epic, you know, uh, Mount Vesuvius painting from the 1800s. It's absolutely beautiful. Problem is that's all we get to see and it lasts for about five seconds then we cut away it's like why didn't you show us th- what caused that showed the destruction of it you know rodan comes out of the volcano very impressive he flies off very impressive he's blowing the city apart very impressive lasted a total of about 20 seconds you know he yeah. originally appeared in a movie <laughs> in 1956 um, where you know in the entire third act is just him destroying a city you know you can right. milk that stuff why don't you do it <laughs> you yeah, know give us some point.
0: catharsis <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's really what we need to sort of hopefully see from future installments. Um so I wonder then with, with the Japanese versions because I know that they um that they sort of keep making their own versions in sort of anime and in other forms of cinema. So does that kind of offer that catharsis then in those series?
1: Yes. Um, a lot of people are really excited about what America is doing with the Godzilla series, and they hope that the MonsterVerse continues ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. I personally am of the opinion, it's like, you know what, let just King Kong versus Godzilla fail at the box office so that the rights can go 100% <laughs> back to Toho, and we can just start getting annual Godzilla movies from Japan again. <laughs> because, right. I, you know, no, no offense, right. Hollywood, let the Japanese do their own property. They know their character better than you do. And so, yep. for sure... Um, Japan has made four Godzilla movies is, since um, America's been doing theirs, uh, three of which have been an anime trilogy, which have received extremely mixed reviews from both critics and fans alike. Some It's either like a love-it-or-hate-it situation, and I'm one of the few people who are kind of in the middle. Like, yeah, great potential, great idea, not the best of execution. If anything, it proves that Godzilla works great as an anime, but that's about it. But yeah. they made one movie. In 2016, Sheen Godzilla. and yeah. that movie was not that movie was not only better than the anime trilogy. It was better than every American Godzilla ever movie ever made. And probably, in my humble opinion, for what it's worth, is the best Godzilla movie that has been made since the original almost 70 years ago. And when I, and no joke, when I saw that movie in the year 2016, I thought to myself, this is the best movie I've seen all year. And by the end of the year, that opinion still held up. Um, It is one of the best Japanese movies I've ever seen. And I'm like, if this is what Japan can do with Godzilla, why are we not letting them do it? You know, it's like Hollywood, Mm -hmm. just stop your greed, give back the rights. I want, you know, let the Japanese do what they're good at. Uh, So yes, it has been cathartic. And now there's a new anime uh, Netflix TV series that's coming out called Godzilla Singular Point. And that actually looks pretty interesting. It's going to be more of a traditional animation from what I can tell. But, um, oh, wow, okay. yeah, but it, it's sad. You know, we've gotten, you know, uh, three, uh, lackluster anime films and three Hollywood renditions and one live action Japanese Godzilla movie. And that one live action movie is better than all of them put together. It's like, I think, you know, can we take a hint here and just roll with that? <laughs> I mean, the movie so- won like 10 uh, Japanese Academy Awards, including Best Picture.
0: <laughs> Wow. Okay. I uh, I'm curious then. So you mentioned the rights are currently split. So so how does that work then? So the the deal as far as I understand it is that um
1: the rights are split between Japan and America where America is allowed to make their um Monsterverse series as long as the mo- the series continues to be profitable. Um in the in turn japan is not allowed to produce live-action godzilla movies that's why they've been focusing on anime you know with the trilogy and now with the new tv series um... they were only able to squeeze out shin godzilla because of a loophole in the contract and the delay between the twenty fourteen film and the twenty nineteen sequel and they're like oh well according to this loophole we can produce a godzilla film because you guys aren't doing anything right now so they they squeezed out shin godzilla bless their hearts and now they kind of have their hands tied until we finish with the MonsterVerse. If the MonsterVerse gets seriously successful, Japan has said that they are, or Toho Studios, I should say, has said that they are willing to co-produce um, you know, Japanese-American Godzilla movies with Hollywood budgets, with Hollywood directors, made for Hollywood audiences, um, and, and just go from there and continue to grow the MonsterVerse or do other things. But if King Kong versus Godzilla flops and honestly the last two films have not been incredibly successful unfortunately then the rights will just go back to Japan and they'll be free to make their own um, live-action films and they have hinted I don't know if they still intend to do this but they hinted years ago that they actually wanted to start their own cinematic kaiju universe uh, because of course they do but at least they already have a built-in one they just have to resurrect the one they created 60 years ago but um, yeah. we'll see what happens it you know er- the next one or two years will uh say a lot about the the future of the Godzilla franchise.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think for sure. I mean, like I said, I, I did hear a lot of rave things about Shin Godzilla. It's, it is on my list of things to check out because, yeah, everyone I've heard talk about it said, "Oh, it's incredible." And am, am I right? Because there's there's a sort of a slightly different take on him in that one, isn't there?
1: Yeah. So I mentioned how Godzilla is really plasticistic in how he can morph to whatever you need him to be for your movie. And Shin Godzilla takes that to the extreme. So just like the original Godzilla film that was uh, metaphorical for the uh, nuclear uh, bombings or atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and for the the Cold War tensions, well, this now is a film that is metaphorical for the uh, 311 or March eleventh, 2011 um, tsunami and earthquake and Fukushima nuclear meltdown that occurred in Japan—one of the worst disasters the country has ever had in recorded history—and so uh, it was a it was a three way punch of a disaster: the the earthquake, then the tsunami, then the meltdown. So they made Godzilla for the first time ever evolve in this movie. He literally goes through transformations where he starts out as just some bizarre prehistoric sea creature possibly even a conglomerate of various organisms that is radiated by uh nuclear waste that's dumped into the sea. I forget off the top of my head if it was the US or Japan that was dumping it. He grow that grows large. It comes uh it eventually evolves enough that it can walk onto the land and it's it got these big googly eyes that actually the the initial appearance of it is designed off of the uh... the frill shark if you google frill shark and then google shin godzilla larva form or something um, or Kamatakun, i think it's called then you'll see the similarities but he's just like a giant amphibian uh... with gills and he's bleeding everywhere and he's disgusting and smoke coming off of him and he's lumbering mindlessly unblinking eyes and that is representing um the uh the tsunami that is just washing in and he's just like when you watch uh the destruction the city destruction in shin godzilla and then you watch news footage of the earthquake and the tsunami and the meltdown the nuclear meltdown they are literally just ripped right off the news broadcast and then put godzilla into it it is is eerily similar and then the second form represents the earthquake, and then the third form represents the, or technically it's the fourth form, represents the um, the nuclear meltdown at Fukushima, and it's also a very steaming critique at the Japanese government because in three eleven, uh, the government was very it was it was notoriously bad at responding effectively to the disaster, at helping its uh, citizen uh, citizenry um, or citizens, and. And it was just a laughingstock at how unprepared they were, and and what a, a farce the entire you know government and emergency system was. And so they they poke fun at the government at its inability to act effectively in this movie by essentially all the mistakes that the government made in Three Eleven, they make in Shin Godzilla. And so right. and so we just see it's just bureaucracy and red tape on top of red tape. Nothing gets done. You know, there's a. Uh, there's a an emergency, and so the government convenes for a boardroom meeting. And then in the middle of this boardroom meeting, they get news that there's another emergency. So they get up and go to another room to have another meeting, and then they have another emergency. So they get up, go to another room to have another emergen- <laughs> meeting for that emergency. And and by the time they actually uh, mobilize anything, Godzilla's already left and killed thousands of people and caused millions of dollars in damage. And wow. And the whole movie plays like this. So it doesn't really have any main characters per se for you to latch onto there really aren't any humans with character development or an arc instead as the tagline of the movie says godzilla versus japan it's it's uh all of the people that are in this movie are, serve as just a conglomeration to represent the country of japan as a whole and the unit of japan as it as it as one organism responds to godzilla so um it's a very different take on the series it's, it's on one hand the most godzilla godzilla movie you can get and on the other hand the most different godzilla movie you could ever get put into one mm. and i think it just succeeded in spades absolutely
0: phenomenal wow i mean that's high high praise i, I definitely want to check this out it's I can't sure, can't remember where i saw it advertised somewhere but i think i'll have to just buy it or rent it or something but yeah that's that's pretty phenomenal and from everything that we've talked about just previous it sounds like it's hit the nail on the head in so many ways and that it's got the characteristics of him of the creature but also utilizing him excuse me in the way that the original film had you know as you say it's like a big metaphor for what's currently on the, the population's mind and and yeah the whole uh fukushima thing was and that was pretty terrifying when when that all kicked off so yeah, it makes sense that they would they would use him to kind of symbolize that in a from what i understand a pretty full-on way like as i've heard as he evolves he gets sort of more and more kind of grotesque and terrifying looking he, he, he looks like walking cancer yeah yeah it's pretty pretty na- pretty nasty but
1: <laughs> i've actually got him right yeah. here behind me
0: yeah i was gonna say <laughs> uh, i thought that's what that was <laughs> for people listening at home Ev- evan's got what i can only describe as like the ultimate godzilla shelf
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i prefer to call it a shrine (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah, it's a apt. it's pretty apt yeah so i'm curious um are there any other um any of the kaiju then that kind of grab your attention do any of the others have any sort of significant metaphors behind them or are they just kind of fun monster flicks yeah interesting question that um
1: some of the monsters did start out as metaphors. You know, um, some people suggest that uh, King Ghidorah was uh, a metaphor for you know the uprising of China and its nuclear, uh, uh, um, its ascension to a nuclear powerhouse. Uh, though that's been disputed. Um, you know, Mothra has um, it was is always metaphorical about against capitalism and greed and environmentalism. Mothras often used in that, and even movies with Godzilla and Mothra together often focus on. Uh, the downfalls of greed and and capitalism and environmental messages. Um, But I think that uh, most of the monster movies, honestly, by the time they really got ramped up in the 60s and 70s, were more or less just capitalizing on a franchise or on a a fad you know it was every studio and its grandmother was jumping on the bandwagon and throwing out giant monster movies not because there was any significance behind it but because it was popular with the kiddies and they wanted to cash in on that um, on that cash cow Uh, one monster that seems to have been um, significant even if only on a you know financial rival sort of sense is the giant fire breathing flying turtle Gamera? Gamera uh has never been in a Godzilla movie, though some people will swear on their aunt's grave that you know they watched Godzilla and Gamera fight in a movie once before, but no, owned by two different studios, never crossed paths. And hmm. Gamera's always played second fiddle to Godzilla, came out in the mid-sixties at the height of Kaiju popularity, popularity, and um, whereas the Godzilla movies gradually became more and more childish, Gamera movies started childish and then just got worse to the point where they were just pure idiocy. And, <laughs> like, like I, I'm a diehard giant monster movie fan and I can find pleasure in almost anything. And yet I get bored watching some of those Showa Gamera right. films from the 70s. Um, but, uh, Gamera was revived in the 1990s for a trilogy. And, um, it was starting with Gamma guarding the universe, and that trilogy has been correctly so renowned as one of the greatest pieces of giant monster cinema ever committed to celluloid. Um, and I, as a diehard Godzilla fan, would say if you forced put a gun to my head and said pick the five best monster movies ever made, probably be Gojira and Sheen Godzilla and the three Gamma trilogy films <laughs> because okay. they are hands down absolutely phenomenal. They, they showcase what tokusatsu or the uh, craft of Japanese-style special effects, you know, soupmation, model work, pyrotechnics, um, and, and things of that sort are really capable of doing. And each movie just gets better and better than the previous one. And then it, it caps off with 1999's Gamera 3 Incomplete Struggle or Revenge of Iris for uh, you know Westerners. And which is like the holy grail of what a giant monster movie is capable of. Interesting human characters that you care about, an intricate plot that ties humans um, intrinsically with the monster action, and phenomenal kaiju action that even 20 years later uh, still holds up today. And that, and, and there was one other Gamera movie that was made a few years later in the early 2000s and called Gamera Little Braves, very family friendly movie, and it was fine. But outside of that japanese monster movies have really really taken a back seat in popularity in recent years in japan to be honest the only other um kaiju or tokusatsu-esque production that is still going strong um is ultraman which is a tv show about a giant alien that fights on behalf of earth for a you know like battling a monster every week sort of a thing and um and that's got that's got a fan base that's almost as big and and vocal as the the, you know godzilla fans but outside of godzilla and ultraman there really isn't a whole lot unfortunately going on with giant monsters uh at the moment
0: well fair enough Uh, that's yeah wow that's that's incredible i was just thinking because some of the stuff you said i was like i've definitely heard of this and just as you were explaining the history there i had a quick little side google for gamera just to get a look at him and wow uh yeah i've definitely seen and i've heard of this guy um so i'll be checking out that trilogy i'll see if i can get hold of it somewhere but i mean it looks kind of terrifying actually um i'm just i'm just looking at the blu-ray of the trilogy and i'm like oh wow (laughs) it's quite scary it's not your (laughs) grandfather's camera
1: (laughs) The, the the trilogy is something that even if you don't like giant monster moves at all you should absolutely check it out
0: yeah um good grief that's something that's that's gonna yeah that's gonna keep me awake for a little bit tonight i think (laughs) i I think that there's a there's a lovely youtube channel called up from the depth
1: and uh this fellow reviews every single godzilla movie and pretty much every single monster movie period including all the gamma films uh if and I, i would encourage anybody to go out and check out his uh youtube channel there's a little plug for someone i don't even know personally <laughs> but yeah if, if you uh if you want to get a sense of like what is this trilogy like you know watch his reviews just you know you know spoiler mm-hmm. warning he he does drop some plot points that if you don't like spoilers you might want to avoid sure
0: okay i guess then really will need to keep an eye and see if uh if those two ever godzilla and gamma that is end up sharing a screen one day
1: it almost happened about a decade really? or so ago uh dai okay. studios well now kitagawa studios or katagawa studios i forget um approached toho and said hey let's do let's do a crossover godzilla versus Gamera. people are going to love it it'll be great money you know you want to do it and toho was like yeah no and that was <laughs> it you know so so the Gamera uh, people are totally down for this but toho for some reason never never uh, liked the idea or never wanted to commit and, and now there has not been a gamma movie since 2006 and mm. uh, but we're you know which is sad he's got a lot of potential there's been a lot of false starts people have been like trying to get um, new movies made here and there and there's been some trailers online like concept trailers that get a lot of hype but then nothing ever seems to come out of it so I don't know what's up with that we can't seem to get the gamma train running again it's it's kind of depressing
0: yeah they, yeah it almost seems like that just prints its own money you know for what it's worth like two of the biggest monsters in in that sort of whole sphere really coming together you'd, you'd think why not um okay well you never know you never know hey if kong versus uh, godzilla actually does well then <laughs> there you go there you go yeah hollywood if you're listening
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah hollywood get the rights to Gamera.
0: <laughs> yeah there's your fourth movie um or fifth if you're counting uh, <laughs> oh, Scotland, Island. yeah 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 which is fine. That's a that's a fine film. That it was, yeah, definitely. it was incredibly stupid, but it was entertaining. You know, it's like it's fine. Oh, it's yeah, fine. it's it is what it is. You know, needlessly vicious at times. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that well, that was one film I enjoyed because it it, it shifted tonally from like stupid cheesy seventies film to like super dark monster film, and then back again. And I was like, where? Where is this going?
1: <laughs> which makes you wonder. It's like, okay, so is is that is that a clever way to keep my interest, or did you honestly not have a tone for this movie and it's just bad editing?
0: Yeah, who uh, who knows? Who knows? I think the director actually was very candid about a lot of it. And if I remember correctly, I think he even went on and did an honest trailers, like he worked with that team and. Yes, of I think I remember work, seeing that. Yeah. Which was, I thought, fair play, fair play. You know, you can take a take a bit of a joke, but now I for one, I'm actually really interested in seeing that. Uh, Congress is Godzilla when it comes. Whenever it comes out, it might be this year. Who knows? At this rate, but, um... <laughs> <laughs> who knows? There, but there, there, I'm, there's I'm, I'm...
1: there's a running gag right now in the fan base, and uh, right. is that, you know, number one, we're never going to get a a trailer for the movie, and number two, the <laughs> only ever promotion that ever comes out for it is another banner that is just a slightly tweaked version of the one banner we've seen for the last like you know year. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and now the fan base is to the point where either they just honestly don't even care anymore or
0: they're about ready to riot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant uh speaking of the fan base what how is it then um being a being a part of the godzilla fan base this is something i always find interesting with the different topics that i discuss with people is what the communities are like around it so uh
1: I'm going to be speaking very generously of the fan base, but please don't think that that's just me being biased because I'm of the fan base. Um, yeah. th- this is a genuine assessment because I'm a fan of multiple franchises. You know, I love Star Wars. I like Star mm-hmm. Trek. Um, I enjoy, you know, I, I love the, the Jurassic Park films. Well, some of them. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the first one, the second one's okay. The rest I try to forget ever happened. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Uh, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy the alien franchise. You know, it's like I, I love these these franchises. So I'm I've got my foot in several different or my hands in several different franchises and fan bases. And sure. honest to goodness, the Godzilla fan base is like the most um warm and welcoming and laid back and kind and helpful um group or fans that you'll ever come across. Like I've gone to yeah, I've gone to Star Trek conventions. I've gone to anime conventions. You know, I've gone to Comic Con, and I, of course, have gone to many, many G fests or Godzilla conventions. Okay. And it's like G fest is like that one convention where everyone just acts like they've known you your whole life, and they can immediately strike up a conversation, and it's totally laid back, and everybody is helpful, everybody's friendly. You know, you you forget your purse or your wallet on your seat, and you walk away. Somebody will pick it up and run after you and bring it to you. You know, it's that kind of a uh um equality and and yeah it, we we're a bunch of nerds we're a bunch of geeks and and y- you've got your weirdos everybody's got weirdos you know uh there's one in every family but mm-hmm. they uh they're just so admirable um you do have you know your like every fan base is going to have their their um their fanboys and 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 their purists and their extremists uh, who just can't accept change or who are just absolutely adamant that their opinion is right about everything, or they're, you know, mm. threatening to burn down Hollywood if they don't get a trailer this month. But the, yeah. honest to <laughs> goodness, those are by far a huge minority, you know? Yeah. There was actually, and I'll, I'll, I'll send this to you after we finish recording. There was a lovely little meme that uh, someone sent me <laughs> that was just perfectly capsulated the difference in, the godzilla fan base versus say the star wars fan base and and it had uh on one top of the the first half of the meme was uh one person saying to another star wars fans uh the star wars all the Star Wars movies you love suck and then the other person just crying and be like no you're wrong you're a horrible person and then the next one Mm -hmm. godzilla fans one of them saying the godzilla movies you like suck and the next one saying yes (laughs) <laughs> because we admit it, he's like, "Yeah, they, they do stuff." That was a really stupid movie, and I sh- and I am yeah. and I shamelessly love it. And so we're just like, "Oh yeah,", yeah. we it's like we we're, mm. we we know what we are. We know what we like. We know these are people in rubber costumes fighting in
0: paper mache cities. You know, we're we're not blind to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess when you're starting off there, you're not going to take yourself too seriously, are you? And you're gonna you're gonna let everything be in in, in good fun and in good jest and. Yeah, I, Star Wars is a topic that it's, it's come up a couple of times on this show, and I, I will get it. Um, I was covered. actually surprised I you hadn't d- covered that one yet. I almost thought it would have been, like, episode one. I, it's on it's on the list. Um, I'm just trying to figure out... What fan are you going to get
1: that's a big enough Star Wars fan for that episode?
0: I know, I know. There's a few people I have in mind that I'm going to reach out to, but that's, that's Ooh, for a round uh, another table. time. I could do a round roundtable. Yeah, it's one of those I might get a few people, but we'll we'll see. But that's definitely one thing that will come up and has already come up a few times, um, and even just in discussion. is, uh, I think it was... I can't remember who said this, um, but someone who is a, a huge Star Wars fan I, I know has said before that nobody hates Star Wars quite like Star Wars fans, <laughs> which is a great quote. And I'm yes. like, that that's so funny and so true. Um, but yeah, you're, it, it's interesting, and it's good to know that if if anyone out there is listening and they want to get into... Godzilla, and they want to go to G Fest when the world opens up again. That you can go, and you're not going to be judged for for turning up, you know, and just sort of checking it out, and maybe just being a bit of a newcomer to it. It sounds like quite a welcoming environment to be in.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead That's and just cool. you know admit you're novice. You know, say oh, I yeah. I've only ever seen like one or two movies. Even if you admit the only movies I've ever seen are the American ones, there might be there might be a skip <laughs> in the heartbeat. But they will eventually put on a smile and say, there, there, don't worry, we'll take your hand, we'll help you. (laughs) We we can work through this. Right
0: right (laughs) this way, sir. (laughs) 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 Oh, wow, that's brilliant. That's how it should be. I, I think genuinely, whatever it is you're interested in, I've said this from day one on this show, that gatekeepers and purists don't have a place here because it's just pointless. It's just pointless to say, "Oh, your version of the same thing that I like, which is slightly different, is worse
1: no, um, I, I absolutely agree. I mean bomb. we're dealing Weird. with a franchise here that is almost seventy years old and it has close yeah. to forty films. I mean, this franchise makes James Bond look stagnant, so it's like how <laughs> how how can how can you possibly tell somebody, oh?" I I have my my opinions on these set of movies are the best over those movies. It's like these movies are all over the place. You know, th- yes. it's like you are welcome yeah. to love whatever you want and hate whatever you want because there's more than enough to go around.
0: Yeah, exactly. And th- that's a brilliant way to look at it, man. Um ah, oh, goodness me. I'm curious, is there anything else about this sort of subject then that you love or would love to talk about? Oh
1: boy. Um let's see. Do you want to sleep tonight? <laughs>
0: It's your conversation, so you you take it where you want to. It's fine. (laughs) So, uh, you know, someone, like you mentioned,
1: you know, if somebody wants to get into the uh, the Godzilla franchise or or just check it out and see if it's something that they think they'd be into, uh, it can seem kind of daunting, though, because you yourself have mentioned this several times. There are several different eras or series within the franchise. It's been going on for almost 70 years. There's almost 40 different films. Where on earth does somebody start? Um, so I guess to, to those listeners out there who may be inquisitive enough to give it a try, but have no idea how to even get going, I would say, um...
0: You've got some 98 Zilla. (laughs) (laughs) This is is why Evan throws the microphone and (laughs) leaves. (laughs) I'm jerking, I am of course jerking.
1: You, you you really want me to hate you, don't you?
0: <laughs> I just like pushing buttons every now and then. But yeah, no, it's fine. No, 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 no. I, I, this is brilliant. I, I'd love to know, yes, where, where would a complete newbie start with this?
1: Right. All right. So you've, you've got a few different options here. Option number one, just start at the beginning and work your way through the series. Um, it, it, it's the long haul. Uh, the, the, the bonus of it is you get to see probably the best movie right off the bat. So if that doesn't attract you, nothing will. (laughs) Um, And then you also get to see the gradual evolution of the character over the course of all the movies. Um, And by the time you finish, you know, the the first series, which with 15 films, you're going to get a little bit of everything. So it's like, well, if I can can take this in good strides, I could probably handle the rest of it. Um, The other way to do it is to pick out maybe just a single film. Uh, that would be a good general introduction to what you could expect overall from most of the films and see if if you like that so for instance i would say if i were to pick one or two movies from each of the series and say check out this title if you want to get into it uh for the original series i would say you know of course check out the original gojira uh, or godzilla 1954. Uh, perhaps check out mothra versus godzilla or destroy all monsters uh mothra versus godzilla from 1964 is one of the best films of the godzilla series in my opinion and it uh it does showcase you know that that lovely monster action that it's known for but it plays itself straight and it does it well you know it's not too ton in cheek it uh it's actually a respectable piece of cinema um destroy all monsters on the other hand is just stupid summer blockbuster popcorn fun where it's like look we don't care anymore let's just put all the monsters out there all the city of destruction alien invasion you know uh, cardboard cutout characters stupid plot you're here for the explosions you know it let's just be honest with ourselves here it is and it has a phenomenal climatic battle uh, with several monsters teaming up against King Ghidorah and it's one of the highlights of the whole series so if you can watch Destroy All Monsters and enjoy it, that's probably actually a good general for the first uh, series. Uh, watch Destroy All Monsters. If you like that, you'll probably like the rest of the Showa series and the rest of the Godzilla films. Uh, for the second series called the Heisei series from the mid-80s through the mid-90s, I would say perhaps watch um, Godzilla versus Biollante from 1989 or watch um, Godzilla Mecha Mechagodzilla 2 from 1993. I think those give you a nice, good, general sense of what to expect from the 1990s. It's not my favorite of the Godzilla series, but it, it has a couple standouts. I think, honestly, it's a little... Um, it gets a little more praise than it actually deserves, but that's just an opinion. <laughs> yeah, and, and, hey, it's a very, very popular series with a lot of G fans, especially the younger ones because a lot of younger G fans grew up with the nineties movies. And for them, that was like top tier Godzilla making. But then it's like, when you go back and revisit it as an adult, you see, ah, oh, you know what? These movies are actually kind of silly. And compared to the gamma films that were being made at the same time, it's like, man, they really dropped the ball on these movies, but that's neither here nor there. That's not the point of this. <laughs> so if you want to check out, um, uh, a Godzilla movie from the Millennium series from 1999 to 2004. I would say check out um, Godzilla 2000 or perhaps um, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla or Godzilla X Mechagodzilla, depending on what title you go with, from 2002. I think actually that in itself, Godzilla X Mechagodzilla, might be the best example of what the Millennium series has to offer as a whole. Um, And then for the anime trilogy, Skip. I'm kidding. <laughs> just just start just start with the first one. And if you don't like it, you're not gonna like any of them. That's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Which is called Godzilla Planet of the Monsters. So I um I think that came out in 2017. Um for the Raywa series. Actually, the anime trilogy is part of the Raywa, which is the fourth series. Sheen Godzilla is the only live-action movie in the Raywa series. Sheen Godzilla and the the anime trilogy. And honestly, if you're going to pick between them, just watch Teen Godzilla, because it's one of the best monster movies ever made in the history of cinema. And then for the Monsterverse, um, that's, it's really, I mean, you, you've got Godzilla and Godzilla you King know, of the Monsters and soon to be Godzilla versus Khan. And I don't know how I can recommend khan I haven't seen it yet. Um, and between the two, I, it's very 50-50. You know, it's like, just pick one. I guess *King of the Monsters* because it has more action, and if you're ADD, like everybody in this generation, it'll keep your attention better. <laughs> but, but essentially, like where one where one movie is great at, but drops the ball, the other one is the total opposite. So they're both they're both equally imperfect in different ways. So it's like just just pick one and see if you like it. But that would be essentially my go-to. It's like all right, try the first movie, *Destroy All Monsters*, um, *Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla*, 2, Godzilla*. Ex Mechagodzilla and a lot of Mechagodzilla movies in there. And then um uh Sheen Godzilla and then maybe King of the Monsters. But um you know what? what the heck? I'm gonna throw one more Mechagodzilla in there. The 1974 film Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. It's uh it's got the whole cheese of the 1970s uh mixed with Alien Invasion and James Bond espionage. Oh, and Planet wow. of the Apes, and Planet of the Apes.
0: Oh, yeah, why not? Why, why not? not? Why not yeah. throw yeah. all that in? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and mythical god creatures, you know, and the kitchen sink.
0: So, you know, it's like, yeah. you can watch
1: that and enjoy it. You'll probably like anything.
0: <laughs> that that just sounds like almost like a sort of teenager writing a script, you know, and then. <laughs> yeah, yes. And then the Planet of the Apes show up, and then. <laughs> yes,
1: it's James Bond, he's Planet of the Apes, meets Indiana Jones, meets Godzilla.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, there's actually a movie. <laughs> Brilliant! That's absolutely. I, I want to check that area. That sounds incredible. <laughs> <What> Zoom will <laughs> be nice, bro. Zoom will be
1: nice.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's well. Over here, we're, we're back in lockdown at the time of recording. So the, yeah, that's probably going to be the way forward. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. I like the idea of Mecha Godzilla though. I just think yes. that's that's so incredible. Like, how do you up the ante? On oh, there he is. He's got one. Brilliant. Like, how do you up the ante on? you know, King of the Monsters. Oh, you just making him a giant robot version. <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> you,
1: you, you, you want to know a little bit of a, a, a factoid there? Godzilla Godzilla's not the first one to have a mechanical doppelganger. It was really? actually King Kong. Oh! Yeah. Oh, I did not know. Yeah, so um, <laughs> when when King Kong versus Godzilla was made, Toho, as part of the contract, was allowed to make other King Kong movies within a short period of time before it expired and actually ironically one of the con movies they were trying to make ended up becoming a godzilla movie but they lost the rights for con so they just threw godzilla in which is it's very when you watch the movie called ebira horror of the deep also known as godzilla versus the sea monster it's very obvious this was supposed to be a king khan movie but never mind that they made a they made a movie called king khan escapes cheese to the max but but in this movie khan goes up against Mechagodzilla, a robotic version of King Kong, and from that they got the idea about a decade later to do the same thing with Godzilla. And now, Mechagodzilla is part of what's called um, the 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 Big Five, uh, or the, the which are the top five um, money making monsters in Toho's roster: Godzilla, Mechagodzilla, King Ghidorah, Mothra, and Rodan. So, like mm-hmm. uh, Mechagodzilla's been in every era he's um he's popped up again and again he's always well, almost always proved himself to be no yeah he's always proved himself to be like one of the most formidable uh opponents for Godzilla he's the only person or monster to have actually ever killed Godzilla so that's you know something to put you know a feather in your cap though it only lasted for about five seconds because Godzilla eventually revived through some um DSX Machinon and then destroyed Mechagodzilla but that's <laughs> neither here nor there
0: yeah, that, that's something I actually enjoyed looking at the even the brief timelines that I saw. Is like he died and then he was alive again, and then yeah. he died, and then he was alive again. And I'm like, <laughs> he was we, revived when they needed another franchise.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, you know, people ask me, like, well, Godzilla died in the first movie, so how did they even get a series? I'm like, well, the first movie left it open in the very last um spiel at the end of the film. Uh, paleontologist Dr. Um, uh, Yamane laments if we keep testing nuclear weapons, who's to say another Godzilla will not appear somewhere in the world? Boom, sequel material. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like there, it's another Godzilla. We've got we got yeah. hundreds of
0: them. <laughs> Please tell me he said that while looking directly down the camera. Um... Uh, yeah,
1: he, he said it looking away from the camera but looking down and looking for a and you know, very serious, yeah. very greedy. But it would be great if he like turned the camera and did a
0: wink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh mm. yeah. uh. <laughs> Oh dearie me! Um, I was going to make a reference to something, and my mind just went completely blank. Anyway, no, I, I love that idea. I love that it's just one of those things that they just keep bringing back in time and time again. Um, well, I'm all for it. I mean, even in the uh, the King of the Monsters film, I mean, how did they revive him? They fed him a nuclear bomb, and that's yeah. how they brought him back. Which right, I was right. just like, yeah, sure, okay, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? I guess
1: we're doing this now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm sure uh, that checks out. <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess if, if uh, something else I think I would like to comment um, uh, on the Godzilla franchise, if, if it's not too late on your end. Oh, go for it. So the Godzilla films are renowned for their suitmation. Um, and, and to be fair, of course, suitmation uh, may not always give you the most realistic, practical effects. But here's something I, I'd like to point out about one thing why. I think that many of the Godzilla films are very endearing for people. Um, and I think this was actually mentioned uh, in in brief in your Jaws episode, was how CGI has become the go-to uh, tool for uh, special effects. And I'm not anti-CGI. I think CGI is an incredible tool. But I'm of the opinion that CGI ought to be one tool in a large toolbox that you use when that's the the best tool that you can use for this moment. It should not be your be-all, end-all, because then you're overstretching the capacity of CGI and your movie's going to end up looking bad, or at least aging bad. Um, I'm looking at you, Godzilla 1998. (laughs) Yep. But Whereas practical effects, though, um, many people have, especially Americans, have this concept that Godzilla movies are just childish, cheesy, ton-in-cheek fun. And I think that that uh sentiment by and large was garnered during the 1970s and 80s when american televisions were only ever showing a very limited number of godzilla movies constantly in repeat but they were always the worst ones like godzilla versus megalon is like the most widely broadcasted godzilla movie in the western world and it and i think because of that when you see it and it's one of the stupidest silliest most childish cheesiest movies you will ever see godzilla or otherwise and if that's what you're always force-fed is, like, here's Godzilla, and, um, then it's like, well, then no wonder you don't think highly of him. But the, re- the fact of the matter is, is that um, during the 50s and early 60s, Godzilla and Japanese monster movies were actually, for the Japanese, A-grade films. They were the most expensive movies that were being produced in the country at the time, and their special effects. And I, I really do think, especially in the 50s and uh, mid-60s, were on par with if not occasionally even better than many of the practical effects that you saw in popular hollywood films at the same time such as james bond um, but of course eventually uh, budgets got cut and the special effects you know got more and more uh, well less special <laughs> but here's the thing though why do people keep coming back to these movies i was watching one of the movies um i think it was Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster or Invasion of Astromons or something from the 60s and there was a scene where Rodan, the flying giant pterosaur, is flying over a city and he's just, his, the gust of winds by his supersonic speed is just blowing cities apart and you see cars are, you know, trailing across the city, uh, windows are being blown out of buildings, shingles are being lifted off of roofs tanks are being pushed into storefronts soldiers are holding onto trees and you know the trees are being uprooted and blown away and all of this is done in camera all of this is practical effects whether with model work and miniatures or you know people uh, on green screens or whatever or you know a puppet or the suitmation and whether or not it looks photorealistic at that point is immaterial you feel the kinetic energy of that scene. You feel the energy of that gust of wind and the the models just being blown into smithereens. And you get the sense of the power and the ferocity of of this destruction. And it's not only cathartic um, in, in its own perverse way, But it also is exciting. It's like, okay, intellectually, I understand I'm looking at a miniature, but that was a darn impressive miniature, and that was a darn impressive explosion, and that just felt good watching it. Whereas when I watch these CG-laden Hollywood blockbuster, where it's like three hours of just um, computer-generated images where there's no sense of gravity, no sense of laws of physics. People are just fleeing back and forth. Cities are being leveled. And in my head, just like with the practical effects, I know that it's not real. But the difference is, I feel like I'm just watching a really expensive cartoon and I feel bored with it. I've got nonstop action. I don't even have a time to take a breath and I feel bored. Whereas I'm watching you know, this 50-year-old monster film with these guys that are duking it out in these rubber latex suits and i actually can get excited about this you have an energy to it because there was that's actually happening in front of you there are actually monsters on camera on set Fighting in the midst of Tokyo, causing this destruction. Those are real flames. That suit actually caught on fire. Those are real punches being thrown. You know, they they actually dumped those actors into a water tank and they almost drowned just for your own pleasure. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, that that electrocution was real. These are all actual things. They may, they may or may not always pass the bill of being good special effects, but they're always tangible something you could reach out and touch and feel and I think that and that's that's how the Japanese love to do movies as a general rule they're renowned for being miniature makers they're renowned for handcrafted art they're renowned for uh, you know tokusatsu type films but I think that that's Godzilla films today offer a something for the moviegoers that for some reason Hollywood movies by large, have failed to give us for like the last 20 years and and i just get tired of it after a while i mean there are very few filmmakers nowadays like christopher nolan who insist on practical effects as much as possible and it's a breath of fresh air when you get it um but or dennis de when with his films it's a breath of fresh air when you get it but it's few and far between and i watch a godzilla movie i'm like ah it just feels like cinema again it's like this is this is you know Actually happening, even if even though it's make believe, and that I think just has a charm to it that you cannot capture easily at all through uh, computer generated images or or the like.
0: Yeah, I I I wholeheartedly agree with everything you say. Like, I mean, you just name checked two of my favorite directors there, so (laughs) (laughs) whose work I adore. Although I will say, I watched tenet recently. I'm going to need to rewatch it because I still didn't fully get it but (laughs) but but the um but i I was yeah exactly what you said i was watching it and thinking like oh it's nice to watch something that has some scope and it feels tangible and even though there's like crazy backward stuff happening in this i it felt like i was in a real film whereas as you say like i'm not a fan of those big I mean, we mentioned the ninety-eight Zilla, anything Roland Emmerich's been near <laughs> in the last twenty years, like all of his all of his films, and there's other directors like him who are the same. Where it's it's Michael Bay, I was just about to say Michael Bay, <laughs> where it's just CGI nonsense, and you just you have a headache after twenty minutes. You just like, oh, what's what's going on? Is world destruction? A- oh, I don't care. You like yep. in, in films where literally the the world is on fire, quite literally in the film, and as you say, you just sat there going, how much longer is left? Yes, it's, yeah. It, it, yeah, as you, I like what you said. It is like watching a cartoon. Whereas, yeah, as I said with yeah the uh, Jaws chat I had with Mark, um, even recently I had a guest on, uh, Andy, and he talked about the Rocky films. And you go back and watch them, and it's the same thing, where it feels real. It feels like you're actually in an environment. You're with real people, real characters, real events. So yeah, I'm really glad to hear that those the Godzilla films continue that tradition. Um, so, yeah, I, I, for one, I'm definitely going to be checking out a lot of these ones that you suge- uh suggested and go back and and check them and see what see what they are really for myself but the whole, the whole thing is it's just remarkable really and i'm i'm certainly hoping now that you've said all of this that we do see the rights revert back to <laughs> to, to the rightful owners and hopefully we'll get more of more of the same kind of filmmaking in in the uh, future projects instead of a big cgi uh Mess for two hours. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and, you know, and I'm not saying that America is incapable of making a good Godzilla movie. No, oh yes, I, no. I. But that's like,
0: <laughs> I'm sure they could, but just maybe with yeah. the right creative team behind them.
1: Yeah, Hollywood, call me. I'll take a contract. Yeah, heaven's free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on lockdown. I got nothing to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: no, but in all seriousness, it's. I I agree with that because um, Japan had still sticks true to its roots and and i would just wish we would see more of that in hollywood you know not that Japan's the only one making good movies out there i mean look i'm a die-hard lifelong godzilla fan i'll be the first one to tell you most of the godzilla movies are not good movies just on any on any level at all they're not good movies they're fun they're enjoyable but they're not good movies so but that's not the point at this at this juncture it's it's the way that the movies are being made, the style, the the passion, the craft that is being put into it, the heart. That's missing in a lot of movies that Hollywood makes these days.
0: Mm. And and again, that's I can totally see the appeal of that. That's that's any good art, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You you can see the the creators' love and passion for it shining through, or at least you should. Um, which is yeah, as we as that's why I I quite like Denny Villeneuve and. And uh, and Christopher Nolan because they're one of the few directors out there that put that into their work. Even if you don't like it, even if you find their films a bit long and meandering, that's why I love them because it, it comes through loud and clear. So it's it's really nice that there's an entire franchise dedicated to that, and it certainly sounds like there's a lot to get into, um, as as you say. <laughs> with this, but I, I, for one, have really enjoyed just talking to you about it. Um, is, is there anything else you wanted to add to this, or any other points that you think are worth mentioning with, with the game uh, of monsters?
1: Yeah, as soon as we uh, we stop this podcast at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll have plenty of things I should have said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think for now, um, as an introduction to what is Godzilla all about, and where to start, mm. and why why bother with it, um, I think we probably covered the basics. I
0: mean. If you mm-hmm. want to stay
1: on for another three hours, I'll talk your ear off. But I think uh, I, th- I think I think we've we've covered what needs to be covered.
0: I think we have. Um, but yeah, Evan, thank you so much uh, yeah. for going through all of this, mate. And just uh, I guess really, where, where can the good people find you? And I know you've got a project related to this very topic. So well, you tell I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am uh, currently working with a good friend of mine named Jonathan uh, to start a, a brand new podcast called G-score, G-score, um, a symphonic history of the Godzilla series. Uh, we have an Instagram page that is up. Um, I just created it, so um, I'll make it public as soon as we're done recording. And anyone that wants to, follow us on Instagram. And once the podcast goes live, we will be posting that and we'll tell you how to find it. And the podcast is essentially going to be uh, going chronologically through the entire history of the Godzilla movies, one episode per movie. And we are going to briefly talk about um, the, what the behind the scenes of the movie, the history of the movie, the sociopolitical environment in which it was made. But specifically, we're focusing on the musical scores of the films. We're going to talk about the composers, their careers, their styles, um, why they, brought uh, to the Godzilla series, the music they did, and how you can actually hear the personality of Godzilla evolve through each decade along with the music. Even from movie to movie, the music really beautifully encapsulates the changes that the franchises go through. Um, And we have a lot of wonderful special episodes planned for that, so we're committed by default to at least 36 episodes, because that's how many movies there are to date. but we will for sure uh have lots of bonus episodes on there uh, we've already recorded and finished several of them we're just trying to get a nice little stockpile before we throw it out to the world right now um so keep an eye out for that look us up and also we're going to have a youtube channel Score, the podcast um that is going to go live once the episodes go so check us out on instagram uh for Score. I don't remember if it's just G-score if it's G-score on Instagram, but you know, you'll figure it out! We're the only one that hits a Godzilla podcast about the music. So yeah, please give us some love.
0: I will do it, when uh, I'll put all those links in the podcast notes as per usual, so people want to go straight to it, they can find that there. Fantastic. Um, but that's brilliant! Um, unless you have anything else to add, I'll just say thank you very much for coming on!
1: Uh, uh, yeah, thank you! Doma arigato gozaimasu! Thank you, and you're welcome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And there we have it. Thank you so much, Evan, for coming onto the show and talking to me about all things Godzilla-related. I hope you guys listening really enjoyed that as much as I did and you learned something from it. Definitely go and check out G-Score when Evan launches that. The Instagram to that is in the show notes of this podcast. And when he goes live, I will be plugging it like crazy. So definitely make sure... You go on to my podcast socials as well, at Fundamentals Pod to check out that. If you are on the podcast socials and you'd like to come and say hello, then don't be shy. If you do, I will definitely respond in kind to any messages, any kind words you have to say. I'd be delighted to have them. And if you're looking for perhaps even a cheeky guest spot, don't be afraid to ask. I'm open to guests and topics. My DMs are open, as they say. Lastly, if you are looking to leave a lovely five-star review in your favourite podcasting app, then definitely tell me that you did that on the socials because you will have earned a shout-out. It is the least that I can do. Thank you to everyone who has been downloading, subscribing to the podcast, and telling a friend. It all makes me super, super happy, and I cannot wait to get some more guests on soon and share them with you. I've got some great ones coming up, so definitely stick around for that. I'll be back in a few weeks time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject. So until then, stay tuned and stay safe.